Oh, hey, you came to listen. Here I thought I'd be spending all my time in my bedroom just talking to myself. Uh, uh, oh, I, I guess that is that is kind of what I'm doing. But at least now I have the imagination that people are listening, maybe even laughing along. To be fair, though, imagining what it's like to interact with people is a pretty important skill in the pandemic lockdown because, you know, no people. So far, the only feedback I've really gotten on the podcast is from my roommates and their perspective has really just been, hey, can you keep it down? We're like trying to sleep in here. Sorry, I didn't mean, I'll, I'll, I'll try to keep it down a little bit. Yeah, but they've just been so negative about the whole thing and uh, it's, uh, it's okay, I'm over it. Anyway, <laughs> let's not get too caught up in all of that. We got a show to get on with. Like, I know, a real show, official, with a capital of fish. For those of you who may have missed the pilot episode, my name is Kai, I use she, her pronouns, I also don't mind they, them. Welcome to the CS Podcast, where we take a look at some of the behind-the-scenes stuff going on in the CUS. We're also going to have a little bit of a guest on in a moment. And who best to have on on the first episode than our CUS Prez, Grace Lee, who'll be joining us in a moment, and we'll get to know a little more about her, some thoughts that she has on the CUS, and her really funny fear of, you know, I won't spoil it, you have to listen. After her, I'm going to have some fun talking about summer, the season two, just relax and wind down and, oh wait, summer, summer internships? You mean I have to get a job? What happened to like 104 days of summer vacation and, and then school comes around just to end it? it wait, is, is this just like life now that I just work all the time? Okay, oh, well, I guess that's what I'm going to be talking about. You know, how to deal with that as a new student because it really doesn't have to be as stressful as it sounds. But before we get into all of that, let's get our eyes on the CUS. Okay, this is really what the CUS podcast was created for, to give people more information of the stuff going on behind the scenes. Now, the CUS is a really huge and complicated organization. I am not going to be able to tell everything, but I'm going to try to summarize a couple of the important things that I think that you should need to know. The first one is actually an AMS change. Shout out to the AMS rep, Jason Liao, for providing some of the insights to the AMS. He is also working on his own transparency project, so keep a lookout for that. The change is actually an increase to our student health benefit for mental health specifically from $500 to $1,000. I want to take this opportunity to say that mental health is something that you should never be ashamed of, and I think this is a really great opportunity, especially for those of us who may have had financial considerations, that now we have more access to resources. Personally, I'm also going to be looking for ways that I can take advantage of the increased coverage from the AMS, so I think that everyone should look at that themselves. That's really the only thing I wanted to highlight from the AMS, and now I'm going to move on to the CUS. But as I said, there are actually so many different portfolios, six of them, and multiple different committees within the CUS. I will not be able to give you a complete overview of every single thing that's going on, because every single one of the portfolios is really doing a huge amount of work right now. My focus will be highlighting a couple of important policy changes and initiatives that I think are really important for us to take note, and I'll tell you which of the various portfolios are organizing those so you can direct any further questions over to them. 
With that said, let's start with the finance portfolio because they're trying to save y'all some money, right? I know there was a couple campaign promises around a student fee reduction, and that is what's currently happening. It is trying to go from 280 to 199. This is the fee that you actually contribute to the CUS to help fund its operations, and it is something that we are trying to do, but you need to be aware that it is not something that is confirmed and will still have to go through a variety of governing bodies, for example, the AMS. Additionally, we also had some feedback from various clubs that said that they felt undersupported, and so CUS-affiliated club funding is going to be increased in the following term from 1,200 to 1,500. Moving on, we're going to talk about the marketing portfolio because they are doing so many cool things. Firstly, they have a lot of summer social media projects through Instagram, TikTok, and hello, this very podcast. Other than that, though, there are two specific initiatives that I want to highlight to y'all. The first one is that there is going to be a redesign of the CUS website just to make it a little easier for everyone and bring out more of the student resources that are actually available to you. The second one is something that I'm really excited for. It is a program that they're trying to work with with the Sodders facility team to create a virtual building tour. I know that a lot of us may not have had the chance to really be in the Sodder building before, and so having a virtual building tour is something that I think will help a lot of people that may be feeling a tiny bit of anxiety to come into school next term. The finance portfolio aren't the only people trying to save y'all some money. The external portfolio is also working to increase the CUS savings program, which is a benefit program that gives students discounts to local businesses. Look out for their relaunch of that and more information in June. They're also going to try to find more ways to support the services through things like first aid trainings and other types of training that might be helpful. Internally, there's some merch that might be going on, don't know a whole lot about that just yet. And the last thing is the student engagement team is working on resources to help people to get involved, as well as a better calendar to keep track of all the big events that go on in Sodder. That really ends my rough overview of some of the various things happening, and I want to stress again that I really didn't even come close to touching on half of the things that are happening, and so if you're really interested, please do feel free to email the various VPs of the various portfolios, look at the CUS People page if you're interested in some of the things that you heard today, and go and ask them for more details. What I want to talk about now is equity specifically. The HR Commission is going to be reviewing a lot of the current hiring guidelines, looking at ways that we give feedback to individuals, trying to find ways that we can make the whole process of hiring and getting involved with the CUS a far more equitable and inclusive process. I know that has been a bit of a concern for some people, and so we're going to take a look at that and see what we can think of. Next for myself is that in addition to being the equity advisor, I am also the Code and Policy Committee chairperson. And that's really important because I want to be taking a look at the various codes and policies within the organization and see where equitable considerations can be made or where certain things are written, where we're looking at it and like, yeah, maybe that's not exactly how we want it, you know? In addition to that, I also want to be establishing this role in particular as equity advisor. Right now, I don't have a lot of clear boundaries for what my job is. And so I want to be thinking about what are the kinds of services and the kinds of responsibilities that this role really needs to have in the future in order to bring value to both the CUS and the student body while still maintaining this element of a third party perspective. I don't want it to get fully immersed within the CUS because I still want this position to have a little bit of oversight into the things that are happening in order to provide that transparency. 
If you are interested in equity work in general, please keep your eyes and ears out. Right now, I am only a single person trying to get a lot of things done, so I'm going to be looking at hiring a team of people in the coming term. That was a lot of stuff. I mean, are you tired of listening to me talk yet? Probably, because I'm tired of listening to me talk. So let's get someone else on the phone. We're about to have our coffee chat with Grace. Stay tuned for that. Hello everyone and welcome back. I am so excited to bring you our first coffee chat ever on the See Us podcast and I've got a wonderful guest with us today. I think you know who it is. I don't think she needs an introduction so I'm going to let her introduce herself. Hey Grace, what's up? That was like the nicest introduction ever. That was heartwarming. Um, Hi, everyone. My name is Grace. My pronouns are she, her, hers, and I am currently serving as the CUS president this year. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for for joining us today. Really excited to talk a little bit about CUS, talk a little bit about you, and get to know what your whole plan is. Maybe not plan, but more vision is for this year, I think is a better way to say it. Before we start, I just want you to tell me something about yourself, unrelated to work, you know, something that a general audience might not know about you. Well, first off, thank you so much for having me on. I am extremely excited right now. A fun fact about myself, I I have a irrational fear of birds. I don't know why. I think it has to do with the fact that they're so small, but then you can never predict their actual size because their wings just expand and something about that something about their ability to fly I think that's what it is I don't know (laughs) Is is there a difference in fear between like small birds and really big birds no, it's almost the small ones scare me more because they mm-hmm. sneak up on you. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, you ever, yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. I was just going to say, if you ever want to scare Grace, you like throw paper airplanes at her <laughs> and then maybe, maybe she's like, oh gosh, is it birds? <laughs> That's exactly how it goes. If you even see me walking down like Main Mall during school, like because I, um, I live with my roommate Paisley, mm-hmm. she'd like walk on the inside where the birds are at because she knows <laughs> get frightened. Yeah. That is that is really funny, and yeah, thanks for sharing that with us. Uh, so, first actual question: Why why the CUS? Uh, what motivated you to run for president? Yeah, that's a great question. I actually uh, had a lot of people during this year's interview um, ask me that question, particularly, and it always looped back to kind of the same theme. And it's almost like I didn't even know it to begin with, but the more people asked me, the more I like reflected on it. And then I was like, oh, wow, that, that was really my reason why. I think it had to do a lot with my experience in CUS. I know everyone has a different experience, but for me, I really had a fabulous one. <laughs> Shout out to Christian, Karina, Eric Wu, and Eric Jin Chang and Victor and Matt, if they're here listening. But the exec team I got to work with were just fantastic. I think it was more so that I was watching them just work so tirelessly throughout the year. And it was something about that and like how much they wanted to just do something for the student body. So they just had like the biggest hearts. It just, it sat well with me. And then I really thought to myself that that's what I wanted to do in my years at Sauter. So yeah, that's kind of how I got here. (laughs) I, I know that you're also part of a sorority. Did you ever have any kind of conflicts between those two interests? I would definitely say scheduling wise, because our chapter meetings are on Wednesday evenings. And that's when we have like AMS meetings for my presidency. And for that reason, they do kind of 
clash but um thankfully my sorority has been just great with just adjusting to what mm-hmm. I have in my position right now and how much time that it asks of me that I do get excused for meetings and such because they do realize how important it is and I, I guess the way I would answer is that I didn't ever feel like I need to choose one over the other I felt like they were both equally supportive of one another so I think that was a plus <laughs> a check mark there Yay. big plus yeah so thinking about why you came into the CUS, really wanting to serve the student body, what are some of the big things, right? Maybe going beyond the campaign points, but actual stuff that you wanna get going, what is the feeling in the CUS that you wanna really bring out this year? I think my experience with the CUS was very like family-like because with last year's exec team, um, I did work with them of course, but there were times where like, say I just had a bad day or I just had a really busy day or I was sick, you know, I would get messages and check-ins and like, are you good? Um, do you want any of my notes for even finals or midterms? And it, it didn't, I feel like when you're, when you have that much work to do, especially in CUS, when you don't get paid, so it's really volunteer work, right? You really have to love the people you're working with. And I felt very homey and I felt very family-like. And I think in Sauter, especially with like the older year um, students looking after you or checking in with you, it's just, it's a very like loving feel, I would say. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what I want to recreate in, in CUS internally with my team. So I really do encourage everyone to look after one another and to go beyond just like the working relationship. Main image or like, I guess, main vision that I have for um, CUS for the student body, I would say would be communication. Touches different things on our internal operations. I know that when I was in first year, I just, I knew CUS. I just had no idea what they actually did, which is completely fair. I'm pretty sure even when I was in CUS, it took me a good year to figure out what goes where and who works with who and the entire structure of it. So I think that's what I mainly want to do to communicate like how we work, what we do, what we offer, just so every student is aware of like everything they can get out of us to, you know, shape their solder experience the way that they want to shape it and then also for any changes or improvements that we have to make because as time goes on and as every organization is never like perfect to the brim right there's always things to change and I think the student body has a lot of good insights that we may not see ourselves because we're so busy in xyz that they have to offer and I think that's really valuable so communication like on our side their side overall um yeah Well, I think that kind of goes really well into the next question, which is, I I think with the CUS, because I totally get what you mean. In first year, I had no idea what it was about. I didn't really want to get involved. And I think a lot of us have that idea coming in that the CUS is all these like go-getter types, you know, the ones that are the perfect LinkedIn's want to go get involved. And I think people get really intimidated from that. Do you have anything to kind of say or respond to that, that feeling? I actually did a couple of coffee coffee chats in the past like two and a half months with incoming first years. And wow, first of all, they do their research. <laughs> I think sometimes I'm like, I think you know more about our undergraduate society than I did in first year. Um, but yeah, and they they the question they usually ask is they're like, oh, like, how do we get to where you are? Or what's the path that you took? You know, you just seem to be so put together. You seem to have your life together. You seem perfect. And I'm like, oh, if only you knew that I was crying in the shower yesterday, you know? I mean, I we're all human. We all feel the stress sometimes. And it may seem like we've got it together, but I would say there's a very 
I would say it's pretty rare to find a student that's like smiling 24 seven, thinking that they have the exact life that they have dreamt for themselves, you know, with like no hardships to get there and stuff. It really takes time to get to where you are. And just because um, I, I comparing yourself to others is just not the healthy way to do it. Cause I think I definitely did that, especially this year. And I found myself insanely burnt out. Everyone gets to where they are in a sep in, a, in their own way at their own time. And I think that's really important to iterate within the solder culture because, you know, like me being um, finishing up second year, like around January, I was hearing about all of my very accomplished and well-deserved friends getting internships at these big firms, you know, like ready to like get their life out. And they, they know exactly where they're going to be in 10 years. And I, I just didn't have that. I actually didn't even decide my major truly until like maybe a month ago, <laughs> um, where a lot of people come into solder with like a clear vision of what they want to do. And that is fantastic. But that doesn't mean your experience has to be that way, nor does it mean that you've done it wrong if it if you don't know what you want to do yeah I I I really played around and a lot of people around me would have probably heard me pick out different major every week from like January to March I was like accounting no BTM no wait no I'm horrible with technology let's go marketing like I was everywhere it it takes time and it takes time for things to settle down the way you want it to go and it's okay to fail like I definitely didn't have the perfect route in solder as well ran for first year rep didn't get it the people that got it very well deserved but I learned from it and then everything I learned from that experience I applied to my election experience for like CUS Press right so it didn't go to waste. And as long as you walk out of it stronger or feeling like you learned something, it doesn't mean it's a fail. Yeah, just because you didn't get what you envisioned for yourself doesn't mean it's a fail. I mean, I've cried in the library. I've pulled that whole only study 45 minutes for your midterm and you walk in, you're like, am I going to fail this? There's been a lot of L's I've taken in my life and in, in my years of university, it was definitely nowhere near perfect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, thank, thank you so much for sharing, because I definitely want to tell more of those sides. I think especially the business culture, right? We, we, we spend so much time scrolling on LinkedIn, and we only put yes. the best things on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. right? it's, it's crazy. And I, I like that, that you said that, you know, some people come in with this idea of what they have to do, or they've got this plan strung, strung out for them. I remember when I was TAing in uh, Calm 186E, which is that new values ethics mm -hmm. course. And the biggest thing I was telling people is I had no idea what I was going to do. I had no plans. Or I did have a plan and the plan is completely different, right? Mm -hmm. And Sometimes I think even when you have this really set idea of what you want to do, you kind of close yourself off. You don't give yourself the opportunity to explore other things. Like maybe exactly. you do like other stuff. Did you ever explore the different faculties or the different specializations before you settled on your own? Yeah. So fun fact, I actually, my friends really describe me as a planner. I like to know what I'm going to do in five years, but I've accepted at this point that like sometimes you just don't know it and it's really okay. I walked into solder wanting to go into law, actually, and I was set on it. And it wasn't even corporate law I wanted to go into. I wanted to go into medical law. And that was the plan. It was get my undergraduate done in three and a half years, four years, in, out, go to law school. That was what it was. But then I actually started, I mean, I actually started studying school as <laughs> I actually um, was surrounded by these subjects, which, you know, you don't go in depth with like accounting or finance or marketing or things like that in high school. So then 
Um, clearly I, I hadn't done, I hadn't experienced enough. Um, and then I got into school and then I realized I really liked finance. I have a funny story with finance, the, the course itself, just because I, it, it caught me at a bad time, but that's a story for later. And I just, it, it was a poorest midterm I've ever written, um, but I learned a lot of things from that. It was, it was a lot of good things of just a, a, a workplace balance and knowing the balance in my life and health and, you know, for my mental sanity stuff. Yeah. And then I, I did the finance class again. It didn't go well. I, I loved it. I loved learning about it just because your, your mark didn't go well. Doesn't mean, you know, you, you didn't learn or you didn't take away good things from it. And I, I genuinely just really enjoy the subject and the course, although it didn't do well in it. And because of that, I am now doing a finance internship this summer, and then I'm going to feel that out. And if it's meant for me, then I'm going to stay with finance. If it's not, then I'm going to do law next year and then just do like my LSATs um, and then go that path. But I realized it's just, it's never a rush to figure things out. You just do it one at a time. And the best way for, for myself to figure out that is like doing it. Yeah. And then seeing if that's something that goes along with me or not. Something that I've lived my life with is always make a plan, never try too hard to follow it, right? Yes, that's so good. Yeah, because I feel like when you have the plan, you like know where to start going. But if you fixate too much on following it, you don't notice that like, wait, maybe I actually really like this course. That's how I got into HR was mm-hmm. I really wanted, when I came to uh, solder, my idea was to crunch out a Japanese minor in two, three years, go on exchange uh, mm-hmm. and start my own restaurant after I graduated. Mm-hmm. Turns out third, third year Japanese is really, really hard. <laughs> so I couldn't do it at all. And I, I met some really amazing professors in the mm-hmm. HR faculty mm-hmm. and they just inspired me to go into that. And that's how I ended up where I am now doing all this equity work and I couldn't be happier, right? And you can't predict that, like, especially exactly. in high school. Exactly. And you know what, sometimes it's okay to like have mistakes along the way, because you learn like you learn from the mistakes that like, you know, or not mistakes, I would say learning experiences that you know, it maybe that isn't the path for you or that you can try something else or it is what it is. Yeah, <laughs> everyone gets there. It, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little bit of a more sensitive question. I think it's still kind of reasonable to say that some students have this distrust, maybe apprehension uh, regarding the school and the CUS. Like I think Sauter and Spoken came out, uh, we see things on UBC Confessions sometimes, uh, especially now in the pandemic, right? When there's so much uncertainty. I wanted to hear what you had to say about things like that, especially as more as Grace, like really not as the CUS press. Hmm. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Initial, reaction I would say would be probably similar to everyone else I also think mine was maybe perhaps more elevated of a reaction just because um I am a person of minority and I'm also of um the female gender so then a lot of the content on there had to do with race had to do with um sex um so it hit a little more home for me (laughs) and yeah I I feel like you read that and it really makes you reflect because sometimes you you read these things online and you get taught about it at school, but you don't actually think um, it happens around you. I think that's something that I had to get used to in my mind. Perhaps if I didn't experience it in the solder halls myself, that doesn't mean someone else didn't. Um, and that doesn't mean that it doesn't 
not go on either. I would say the initial reaction had to do a lot with like my own safety. I, I thought about like, if I was ever in these situations, what would my options be? Would they even be good enough options? Would I even take the route to speak out about it? Or would I just keep it to myself, right? It, it does a lot of reflection in you, which like I know a lot of people's reaction to it was that it made them feel uncomfortable. And I agree, it made me feel uncomfortable. But I think it was in a good way because it starts a conversation. It's like, you know, like it's not the most fun thing to talk about. Like you don't want to talk about like you're getting a new puppy or something. But like it's something that needs to be talked about. And that clearly students have really held it inside for their wells. And it's not even just like student as a student body. It's like your classmates. It's your friends in class. It's people that you were in groups with. If it's people that sat across from you, you know, that we really are made of a people. And, you know, as organizations, as people, it's just always room to go grow. There is more learning opportunities to be offered. There's things that we could do better as just people on the side, people in it, you know, people maybe seeing it happen. It encourages you um, to educate yourself. I, I would say that's like the biggest, it, it came a little after because I feel like when you first read it, you're just kind of thinking about it like, oh my God, this is happening to someone, you know. But yeah, um, it also made me kind of sad, you know, that it, something like this had to be created as a channel for people to speak out about things that has happened to them and that there wasn't, you know, a channel set in place. Yeah. There's a lot of feelings there. Yeah. No, I, I totally understand. And it's a it's a really tough topic. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those reasons and those topics were why I started this podcast, why I really was really excited to see Christian last year being really proactive in it. And I think the biggest, I, I shouldn't say shock, but the thing that I saw when I came into the CUS was just how many people are here. And it's so hard to think about like, yes, there might be bad things happening in some places, but it's a huge organization, just like Sauter is a massive school, right? Uh, And it really set that in perspective that there's people here that are really trying to do great things. And there are people, there are like awful things happening, right? And so Mm -hmm. keeping that balance, it's, it's it's a really delicate thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Christian did an amazing job and he had talked about the importance of proactiveness, which I, I think that's, a, again, I'm trying not to speak from the CEO's present role. Mm-hmm. With my experience, it was also things like that. It's not that you don't care. It's just that you haven't been exposed to it perhaps. And for me, to be honest, I do think that I have been privileged in my life to have not been in situations where in situations that other people have gone through. You know, I think I've been fortunate enough for that. I know that and I'm grateful for it. But the reality is that when you are, because I came from a small school. So then when you come to a, a big school like UBC and a big school like Sauter, it's more the reality sink in. And then it, it makes you think a lot like on how much you didn't know about the real world. It makes you really think of the world holistically and also our responsibilities. Although it may not happen to us or, you know, we don't actually know the person, the things that we could be doing and the things that we could unconsciously be doing to like contribute to that culture. It's, it's a lot of reflection pieces. I think that's what, honestly, to be honest, I, 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 I like that the page starts conversations, even if it's just with yourself, if it's with your friends, it, it just starts a spark. And I, I think it, it yeah, I think well, it was important. 
Thank you for, for speaking really candidly on that, because sometimes I think we need a little bit of candid conversation around these things. We get a lot of PR language and, and really formal things, and not that those things are bad necessarily, but it's hard to get the feelings behind, behind that underlie everything. And so I, I wanna thank you for, for being vulnerable and, and sharing that with me uh, and everyone listening in. Yeah, thanks for providing such a good platform to do that, you know? I feel like we haven't really had that piece yet where we can speak more like, I guess, informally about things, a lot more candid. I think that's what CUS needed. So shout out to you. <laughs> well, uh, hopefully, I'd. I'd this is really just a pilot project, getting it off the ground. I'm so excited to see where it goes. And I'd love to get more, anyone listening, right? These types of conversations are the things that we really need, I think, in Solder mm -hmm. to, to push that culture where we're not just seeing the perfect LinkedIn pages, but we're seeing mm -hmm. the people behind the scenes. Just to you know, wrap this all up, I've got one final question for you. It's a little bit high level, but I wanted to ask what it what it means to you to, to be a business student here at Sauter. What does Sauter mean to you? What has your experience been here? Any kind of feelings on that? Um, I would say it's changed. I think I walked into Sauter and I, I was definitely that student that thought, you know, you had to have a plan. You had to have a five-year, 10-year plan and have it down to the details and the brim and you had to follow it. And I always thought it was very detailed. I'm a big planner myself. I like having like a, no uncertainty, but I've also accepted that about myself. And that is just not the way that life goes. I, I would almost, I, I do think I'm a perfectionist in some sense, as in I, I can't go to bed, you know, knowing that something's just not like completed the best way it could be. I think that's what I kind of thought solder was when I first walked in, because, you know, to be a solder student, I know that everyone really worked hard to get here. It's a lot of people that had a lot of great grades in high school. And it's a lot of people that were incredibly involved, you know, it's, it, I think that's why it, the word competitive gets very much thrown around within like describing the solder student body. And it almost makes you feel like you have to be a perfectionist and you have to have it down to the brim. But I, I think it's changed in my times here and just seeing more of the human aspects of it and how people just get around different ways. It's just really changed that definition of solder to me. And I, and I, I presume that it'll change throughout my years at solder as well. And I maybe might have a slightly different definition when I graduate solder, you know. Right now, I think that solder students are people that are very people oriented. It doesn't mean that you have to be an extrovert and you have to want to be around people 24-7. But since we're such a collaborative student body, I also think that that also, um, since we have so many interactions with one another, that everyone has a responsibility to some extent to lead by example, even if they may not be the type of person that likes leadership roles. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be, you know, um, president of a club or, or, or involved incredibly. It's, I just think that every student here has a responsibility to kind of give out the good values um, and instill that in themselves. Um, I would say that's what I would define a business student because I think business itself has a lot, like you you meet a lot of people, you talk to a lot of people, you uh, maybe you just go to a firm and it's a very big firm, even though that, or even a very small firm, I feel like you still have a lot of interactions. Having those values to have for when you even graduate and you're out in the world without you know, you being actually physically in the solder building, I think that would describe a solder student. 
Yeah, well, I think that's a loaded question. <laughs> it, it, it is a loaded question, but I love the, the aspect that you bring in about the people, because I think that was the thing that really changed for me was coming in and thinking it's all about this competition. But when I got more and more into my classes and things it was so collaborative the people yeah. wanting to support each other and, and I think we need to talk about that support more than the competition uh, mm -hmm. and that's how we change the culture right I think that's yeah you know even in high school going in I that's something that we hear about a lot like about SAR they're they're so competitive you know um, people want to like mess each other's marks up and like their eye peers and stuff but I, I think that's a very small I, I don't think it's a solder thing. That's what I want to say, I guess. Perhaps it happens because someone genuinely feels like they they pulled more weight. But I don't think, I, or I've never personally had any interactions with anyone that's like, I want to do for the spite of it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that just about wraps everything up. Thank you so much for, for joining me today. It was really great to get a chance to talk to you. Uh, do you have any closing words, any shout outs that you want to make? Shout out to my CUS team for this year. I love you all very much. Um, and for the student body, I, I hope I hope we we put on a good year for everyone. And if you ever want to chat, my office hours are at six thirty. Quick plug. Um, and it, it doesn't even have to be like work related or CUS related. It could literally just I don't know if you want to talk about the weather, your pet. I could bring my dog on the screen. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for, for offering that. And I am going to, you know, close the segment. So I'll see you all in the next little bit. And we're back. And of course, by we, I mean me alone in my bedroom, uh, as we've established. But Welcome back to our segment, hashtag Together at Solder. And this is where I'm gonna be sharing my takes on the student experience to try and show that we're all really just making it up as we go along, right? Wait, just me? Okay, okay, well, some of us are making it up as we go along. Today, I'm talking about summer. You know that thing that just hit us? What happened to summer? And I'm not talking like this summer specifically because it's COVID and all that, and that's really different. I'm saying just summer in general, what happened to it? Summer used to be like this great escape from reality. And now I think a lot of us get summer anxiety. Oh, what if I don't get a job or, or an internship? Like, what am I gonna do? That's the kind of stress I'm talking about. Also, not to imply that some of us didn't work during high school summer. I worked in food service myself, even in a kitchen sometimes. But it's like now we have expectations of what kind of summer jobs we're supposed to have. Raise your hand if you've spent hours applying to internships, looking for jobs, and just getting turned down everywhere, because I know I have. But I realize that part of what makes it so stressful really comes from those expectations that I was talking about, because those are not realistic in any way. We especially need to stop this mentality that's like, oh my gosh, I didn't get into the big four, my life is over, I'm gonna have no career prospects whatsoever. Firstly, not getting accepted somewhere, especially the big names, doesn't necessarily say anything about you. I once got a chance to speak with a higher up team manager in Deloitte who pretty much told me that with the amount of applications they get, if you haven't made a connection or done specific networking, your chances get pretty close to just random. Studies have come out from multiple independent institutions that the average time spent from a recruiter looking at a resume is anywhere from 6 to 11 seconds literally six to 11 seconds. 
can you imagine if you came to class and the prof was like, hey, did you do the reading? And you said, oh yeah, I looked at it for like six seconds. It's a little ridiculous, right? So really, don't beat yourself up just because you got rejected from something or don't get mad at yourself. You can be mad, but be mad at the system. Don't be mad at yourself. You tried really hard. So now that I've gotten that out of the way and let you know the real truth behind a lot of recruiting processes, what are your actual options for your summer as a student? Well, personally, I think you can break it down into four general umbrellas, and I'll give you my thoughts. Please keep in mind that this is all my personal opinion, which has been heavily informed by my own experiences and privileges. I recognize that what options are available to you really depend on a whole number of factors, but I'll try to be inclusive of different backgrounds as much as I can. Now, the first umbrella is just getting an internship or any kind of full-time employment, and I think that's the standard one. But I think there are some things that you should know if that is the direction that you are headed. Firstly, don't be afraid to apply to things that may not be directly in your field. So I think sometimes we feel really pressured that, oh, I'm going to be doing finance, I need to get a finance degree. Any kind of experience that you get in any kind of business operation is very valuable experience as long as you understand it, as long as you are treating it like valuable experience. No matter where you work, you're going to have to deal with marketing people. You're going to have to deal with finance people. You're going to have to deal with accounting. You're going to have to deal with so many different facets of business that having that experience with another field actually gives you a unique perspective that somebody that was purely in a single field isn't going to have. The second big tip is make sure you're actually tailoring your cover letters and your resumes to the exact job that you're posting to. I know it can be a little bit annoying to have to rewrite a lot of things for every single application, but when you start to consider that you may only have 10 seconds to impress a recruiter, you want to make sure that you have exactly what they're looking for in your resume the moment they look at it. The same goes for your cover letter, so make sure you're using all of the resources available to you as a solder student, for example, the BCC, to really get those two things as dialed in as you possibly can to the job. It's so much more effective to spend a little more time on each job application than just mass applying to everything. Which kind of leads me to my third point, apply to things that actually interest you, or at the very best, get interested in the things that you're applying to. Maybe the options left for you for an internship aren't things that you're really that interested in, but that doesn't mean that you can't do the research, that you can't learn what the company is doing, and try to find just the sliver of anything that interests you that you can write about in your application. Because at the end of the day, seeing that interest and seeing that research done into an organization will really make your application stand out. There's also the huge topic of networking, but it really deserves its own episode, so I'm going to skip it for now, even though it is so, so, so important, more important than you might think. Okay, let's talk about something else, alright? If not for an internship, what else can you do in your summer? I'm actually a really big supporter of summer school. I've taken summer courses in almost all of the summers to this day, and it's really given me the chance to spend the time during my real academic terms in the winter to network more, to get interested in more things, to meet more people. And that was a really, really amazing thing for myself because that is what connected me to the things that I'm doing now. However, I know that it's really not an option for some people, especially if you need to be making money to pay or save for your schooling next term. Summer school just might not be in the cards for you. And so I understand. 
But if you do have the opportunity to go to summer courses, really consider it. Some of the cons of it is that you may not be able to be eligible for honors, but kind of in my opinion, you might want to ask yourself, why are you really striving for honors? I realized for myself that getting honors for the sake of getting honors was a little bit of a trap because I could have spent that time doing other things that were more useful for my own journey, for the things that I wanted to do and the work experience that I wanted to get. And I'd rather do that than spending the extra time studying and doing all the stress of a full course load. So that is kind of my perspective on that. If you do have a reason that you need honors, say grad school or a scholarship, then obviously use that to your consideration. Keep in mind though that summer session courses are a completely different ballgame than winter session. They are incredibly compressed, so certain types of courses where maybe there's a lot of memorization, a lot of technical things, those can actually get really, really difficult in the summer. However, other courses where maybe you're actually comfortable sitting in a lecture for two to three hours, that there is a little bit more hands-on work and that you have the attention span for that, some courses really benefit from a summer course setting. So definitely ask your seniors, ask people who have taken the courses before to see which ones work best for you. The other benefit of summer school is that it really helps with the third umbrella of things that you can do, and that is part-time employment. And with part-time employment, I'm also considering volunteering, freelancing, self-employment. These are things that you can do at the same time you do summer courses. You're able to get a part-time job somewhere. Maybe you couldn't find a full-time internship. That doesn't mean you can't build the skills at a part-time job. You might think that having a part-time job doesn't have the same prestige level of a big internship, but to be honest, the experience that you gain is really all about what are you actually doing in that job. Think about what are the experiences, the skill sets that you want to learn, and find jobs where you can develop those skill sets. For myself, I really wanted to get better at writing, and so my part-time job now is I actually do a lot of technical writing for a consulting firm on a part-time basis. I also want to give a big shout out to volunteering opportunities. Not all of us have the situation available to us that we can do a volunteer opportunity, but if you do, don't think that the experience that you get at a volunteering job is any less valid than a normal paid job. In fact, I kind of think that for some volunteering opportunities, the experience you get can be even more valuable because you might have people being willing to give you more responsibility. You might be able to take charge of your own projects. You might be able to do things that a traditional employment opportunity wouldn't be able to give to you. So I highly recommend volunteering, especially if you have the time and you have a particular cause that you really want to support. It's also never been easier in history to make money on your own. I know a lot of students that have their own side gig or their own little online business. And while I'm not gonna say it's easy to do it, the resources to learn how to do it definitely exist out there. And it just involves yourself being willing to take that step. Sure, you might fail, but as an entrepreneurship student, failing is really the most crucial step to being a successful entrepreneur because until you fail a million times doing things, you never really learn what you didn't know to begin with. And so that's kind of three of the four umbrellas of things that you can think about doing in your summer. You can get an internship with full-time employment. You can try to make the best of your time with summer school and part-time employment. What is the fourth thing though? The fourth big thing that I think that everyone should do in their summer is take some time out for yourself. What I mean by that is not just taking some time for yourself to do nothing, 
but take some time to self-reflect, to think about the person that you are. Think about what your skill set is. Think about where do you want to be in the next year. Now, I'm not a huge fan of planning five to 10 years down the road, but I think that within one year, you can really get a better sense of what am I looking forward to? What do I need to learn? What skills do I need to develop? And using that to inform your decisions in the next coming year. Any time that you really spend on yourself to getting to know yourself better, I think is invaluable. I know that for me personally, I definitely spent my first two years thinking of what is the next achievement that I can get rather than what am I trying to achieve and why am I trying to achieve it? Deliberate self-reflection has been a crucial part in really shaping the person that I am today. And by deliberate, I don't mean just sitting and thinking about it, but actually writing it out creating a personal values chart. There's so many different ways that you can do this. Off the top of my head, I can think of the what, so what, now what framework. There's another framework called DEAL, which is like describing and examining your experiences and thinking about the learning specifically. There's something called the ORID model, which is like having an objective, like what is the concrete experience and then reflecting on it. There's so many, and I'm sure you've learned a bunch throughout your degree. I can't remember everything, but I think that the important thing is finding what works for you. Go do your own research. Go find a framework of reflection that actually helps you get better in touch with what you're thinking and what you're feeling. Personally, I actually journal every single day, even if it's just a little bit. And I do bigger reflection pieces once a month usually, maybe every couple of months, or when a big thing happens because I wanna be understanding, what am I actually feeling today? Where do I feel I am in within the broader context of my life? I don't really have a set goal for where I want to be, but I always like to take stock of where I am now. And taking stock of where you are today, I think it's gonna be more important this summer than any other summer, because if y'all didn't know, we're in person next year. There's no more waking up five minutes before class and just stumbling onto the Zoom call. We're gonna have to actually get up, put on your makeup, get dressed, get on a bus, commute. That's gonna be such a huge and dramatic shift from what we're used to experiencing over the last year that if you don't sit down and think about the implications that that change is gonna have on your lifestyle, right? What are the morning routines that you're gonna need to have? What are the processes that you're going to need to build into your day? How is your commute going to look like? How are you going to balance the mental stress of going to school and working and coming home and all of that stuff? If you don't think about that, it's going to be really hard to make the adjustment when it actually happens. I'll be very honest that personally, even though I'm excited to go back, a large part of me is absolutely terrified. I have to redo my entire wardrobe so that I can get mentally prepared for the person that's coming in to school next year. I can't just be showing up in hoodies and sweatpants every single day anymore. So no matter what you choose to do this summer, please, 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 please take some time for yourself because you deserve it. That is all I have to say in my first ever segment of Hashtag Together at Solder, and I really am looking forward to the day that I get to be together with you all in the Henry Angus building once more. Thanks for sticking around for, what, 13 minutes just to listen to me ramble? I'm touched. <laughs> I'm going to end the episode here. 
thank you again for tuning in and look forward to the next episode. We're planning to have like a monthly release in the summer, but maybe we'll speed that up. Who knows? We're going to see how it goes with the logistics and everything. Lots of backend stuff to running a podcast, turns out. Please feel free to give us feedback. Again, I want this podcast to be a very growing experience for everybody involved. You can email me at kai. Oh my god, I forgot my name. Kai.sergeant at cus.ca. You can leave feedback in the social media, like our Instagram, or you can drop by my office hours. I hold office hours every Tuesday at 12 o'clock. Go to the CUS website to see a link to that. And you can come to my office hours for more than just like podcast feedback. You know, you can come talk to me, get to know me a little bit more. I'd love to get to know more people in the school. So really, really do feel free to just chat about anything that you want. If you've got a story, maybe that could be something that we get on the podcast someday. That is all I have to say. So until next time, bye bye